The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. And welcome. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Uh, I'm so happy to have you all back this week. This week, we are continuing our month-long focus on the American Alliance of Museums in celebration for their upcoming annual meeting that will be held, actually is being held right now uh, at the uh, in Seattle. Uh, and it will go through next Wednesday. But we're actually taping the show a little early this week uh, so that Ford Bell, the uh, president of the uh, American Alliance of Museums, can be with us because, as you can imagine, he's going to have a lot going on later this week. Uh, I want to give you, most of you know uh, Ford, who are listened to this program. I'm sure you've heard him speak. But let me give you just a little bit of background information. Ford joined AAM in 2007. He was the first new president AAM had had in 20 years. Uh, Ford came to Washington from Minnesota where he taught and did clinical research at the University of Minnesota's College of Veterinary Medicine. And he was also, prior to that, the president and CEO of the Minneapolis Heart Institute Foundation, which is a very prominent clinical cardiovascular research organization and nationally recognized provider of community heart health education. While in Minnesota, Ford also served museums uh, as the co-chair of the Minneapolis Institute of Art uh, and on the advisory board of the Bell Museum. And since coming to AAM, Ford has distinguished himself as a leader among museum professionals, introducing many, many positive changes to the uh, AAM structure and organization and creating a very important five-year plan, which actually will be coming to the end uh, in 2015. So I think we'll talk a little bit about that too. So without further ado, Ford, welcome so much and thank you for taking Taking the time to uh, be with us this this week of weeks. Well, thank you for having me, Carol. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Um, you know, as I said, you've been at AAM since 2007. You you uh, clearly were committed to museums and understanding their importance uh, in in the world and and uh, for our country, uh, but. 
it's safe to say you came from outside of the museum world. You'd never worked uh, in a museum. Uh, and you came to this massive organization in Washington, D.C. What was the most surprising thing that you learned when you first came to AAM? Well, I think, it, you know, I, it was surprising to me. Uh, I knew AAM was 100, and at that time it was a 101-year-old organization, but um, that, um, that, that AAM was only one of many associations working in the museum, uh, in the museum arena. There, you know, as you know, there are 42 state museum associations. There are six regional museum associations, and then there are a whole lot of discipline-specific organizations, um, like the Association of Zoos and Aquariums and the Association of Art Museum Directors and so forth. And, and so um, there were a lot of associations in, in the field, um, and, and, and I think there, and there was a lot of overlap as well. And, and also, you know, I was surprised at the, even though AAM had a lot of members, it still, as a percentage of the field, wasn't that big a number. And uh, obviously, we, if we're going to really represent the field, we need to have more people, uh, you know, as part of the organization. Interesting, interesting. So uh, what do you feel now distinguishes AAM from these other uh, alliances and organizations? Well, we're the only organization that represents museums A to Z, art museums to zoos. And, um, and that is unique, and, and it's also important because uh, we're able to uh, underscore the commonalities of, of museum institutions. You know, people tend to focus on the differences. Oh, well, how can you have zoos and, and art museums in the same organization? Um, but we want, we're able to focus uh, on the commonalities of museum institutions, and we're the only organization that has that broad, that broad view. You know that I'm. I'm so glad you said that, Ford, because I. I'm. I. Uh, I am concerned uh, as a museum practitioner when I see any organization or alliance moving what I moving backwards in time. You know, sort of building up the silos instead of breaking them down. Uh, I'm. I was very disappointed, for instance, in the uh, Getty's decision to focus their museum management training on art museums only, because I. I, I think. And I think that this is one of the real strengths of the annual meeting. Uh, it, it gives us all an opportunity to meet people across disciplines and across organizations and, as you say, really build that commonality. Right. It, it, the annual meeting certainly does that. Um, <laughs> you, you go to a session and you see people rep- representing every type of mu- museum um, in every part of the country, including from uh, including from countries abroad. Uh, and that uh, that opportunity to, uh, to 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 talk together is something uh, across disciplines is something that only happens really at our annual meeting. Um. It- one of the things that uh, has changed over uh, just the last few years, of course, is that the name uh, changed. We kept the initials. Thank you very much for those yep. of us who have trouble learning new things <laughs> at our age. But uh, it, you changed from association to alliance. And uh, many of my uh, of our listeners are listening in, in uh, from foreign countries and may not be able to track all of the changes on the Washington Post or even your, your own website. So could you give us a little background and understanding what's the difference between an association and an alliance and what's 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 symbolic for you in this name change yeah that, well that's a great question um you know we uh, when i came to to aam 
and and saw you know the 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 way the field was divided with many different organizations and uh and the other thing that was quickly apparent was uh the amount of funding that museums get from the federal government i mean the largest pot of money for museums in the federal government is 31 million dollars with an m 31 million from the Institute of Museum and Library Services. Now, if you add up all the funding from different places, different pots in the federal government, you might get the 50, maybe 60 million. But, um, you know, we're talking about a field that has 850 million museum visitors every year and spends over $2 billion on educational programming. So talking about $50, $60 million in funding is, is pretty pathetic. Um, and uh, and there was, it was also clear that there really wasn't very good understanding uh, on the part of people of what museums do. You know, as Wayne Clough, the secretary of the Smithsonian, said to me, the outgoing secretary, said, you know, people think we hang stuff on walls here. That's what he said. He said, nobody ever says to me, Wayne, it's so great that the Smithsonian is one of the three largest astrophysical research organizations in the world. So it was very clear that people don't understand what museums do and why they're important. And so I, when I came to AM, I said, you know, we, what we need to do is we need to shift from being the trade association to being the cause of museums. Uh, because there are lots of other associations, as I said out there, that can fill, fulfill a lot of needs for museums. Our, 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 you know, all of our affiliate organizations that we work closely with, they, they are able to fill, uh, fulfill needs for their particular disciplines. But somebody has to represent and speak for our entire field and, and be the nature, I used to say, and be the nature conservancy for museums so that we can articulate that, that value of what, what, why we're important to society. And association really pegs you in a certain place. It's not. It, it wasn't that it was a, a bad word necessarily, but it really pegs you as a as a professional association. And we wanted to serve the profession, but also to get everybody else involved as well. Trustees, in particular, to get trustees who uh, we have really ignored uh, for for many many years at AAM. To get, they're they're very important. They have a huge investment in in the field, and we want them to be part of this as well. As well, in addition to uh, organizations that collaborate with museums, organizations that serve museums, organizations who's, who, for whom museums are customers, so that everybody is participating and speaking up and talking about why museums matter. Very, very uh, well put. And, and as you said, uh, and I, I know uh, recently you've been in the news uh, as there have been issues with the uh, Delaware Museum of Art and the Corcoran uh, Gallery. And, and of course, when, when uh, institutions, large or small, make the news, there's always, you know, that's, that's when uh, misunderstandings are always apparent to those of us who are in the field. And uh, I'm always grateful when I see your uh, that you've been interviewed so it it sounds as if uh, that you really have been trying to reshift the organization a bit to become much more of a the spokes spokesperson spokespeople uh, for for the field right yeah absolutely and with a goal we, we certainly want to respond to current uh, topics, current controversies, which which we do, but at AM, but also uh, to, to 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 do a much better job of of talking about the value proposition of museums. That museums are educational institutions. We all agree on that. Um, they're also research institutions. People forget that that, and that can be very important. 
Museums are community institutions um, because, as I like to say, if you name a societal need, I'll find you a museum that is working on that need, whether it's New Americans or AIDS or Alzheimer's or children on the autistic spectrum, whatever. Um, it, the museums are working on community issues, and of course, museums are economic engines, and we, you know, we simply haven't really communicated that value proposition well enough. Uh, well, I, I I would agree, um, and perhaps I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. But uh, so, do you think how how much how much inroads do you think you've been making over the last uh, you know say five years? Is it improving? I mean, you've certainly we've seen we've weathered you know one of the ec- worst economic crises uh, in many you know many of our memories. Uh, it must have been tough going. Yeah, it has been. I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it, it's been, it's been tough. We obviously depend on the dues of our members, and we've been through a, a, a very, very, um, a, a very difficult period. But uh, the good news is that in in, in two thousand nine, we 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 launched our first museums advocacy day, um, and we'd never done that before. And so this year in February, we had our sixth, and. You know, we did over carried out over 340 hill visits uh, with museums across the spectrum of every type, of every size, from all 50 states, talking about the value uh, that the museums and their community uh, create for their communities. And uh, you know, that is something that is a big change because if you're not doing that, if you're not up there every year, meeting with members of Congress, meeting with their staffs, talking about the work that the museums are doing, then they're not going to be thinking about you. And we've had the highest number, this year we had the highest number of uh, co-signers for the, uh, the IMLS funding um, uh, of, 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 that we've ever had on both sides, House and Senate. So, you know, that progresses every year. We get people to, to, to sign on uh, by educating them and by having people from their community come here to Washington and meet with them. And, and that's, that's, a, that's, gonna, that's really a, a, a sea change. And uh, it's made a huge difference. And the goal is that the Advocacy Day is not our Advocacy Day. It's not AAMs. It's the fields. And the field really contributes. We share, the, we share with all of our fellow museum service organizations, the, our Association of Art Museum Directors and the Association of Children's Museums and so forth. Well, you know, I, I, I'm a little stunned, um, Ford. I, I guess I always thought that there there was a strong advocacy arm of AAM and that you were doing these things and you know 2009 doesn't seem that very long ago so this really has been a a, a major re-emphasis uh, I, I suppose for those of us who live in Washington uh, we we see this as business as normal uh, probably institutions in Maryland and Northern Virginia can you know take a metro ride and see their congressman, but that isn't true if you're in Indiana or Texas or Topeka. Right. Uh, so that this really is a, a major shift in uh, emphasis. Yep. Very, it, it very is. interesting. Um, well, I tell you what, I think that this is uh, a good time for a break. Uh, we will uh, take a short break. I want to remind all of you that you can always go to uh, AAM's uh, website to see what's going on. Ford always has uh, interesting things to say there. Uh, you can always reach me at carolbossertservices.com to listen to this and any other program. And do uh, drop me a line at carol.bossert at verizon.net 
or uh, uh, tweet at, uh, uh, at MuseWrite. Uh, and you can reach me and tell me what uh, issues you think that we should be talking about on Museum Life. We will be back in just one moment. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, Radio to Thrive By. Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris, real talk on business and parenthood, Hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses while raising his daughter from age 7 to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back to Museum Life. This is Carol Bossert, and we are here today talking with the president of the American Alliance of Museums, Ford Bell. And Ford, uh, one of the, we were just talking about uh, one of the major activities that AAM has spearheaded in recent years, and that's its Advocacy Day. But this was only one of the developments in AAM's strategic plan, which, uh, and if I remember correctly, it may have been AAM's first significant strategic plan uh, that was instituted and uh, in, what, about 2009? Yes. We, we, uh, we, we, we met in Detroit and hammered that out in, in, two, in 2009. 
Uh, and, you know, I mean, many of us, I, I've, I've done uh, many strategic plans for organizations. And, and uh, the, the challenge, of course, with a strategic plan is it's only as good as the assumptions that were made on the day that it was put to paper. So uh, could you just share with us a little bit about what assumptions have panned out for you over the last five years and what assumptions maybe you have, you've had to tweak a little bit? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, our, our, our strategic plan had four goals. Excellence was one. Advocacy was two. Sustainability, sustainability of the organization, AAM, and of the field. And, and four, alignment. And I'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But, um, you know, we, we really believed that um, there was a role the AM as the keeper of standards and best practices, that there was a role for excellence in helping unify the field, that commitment to excellence. Um, and, you know, the accreditation program really had, had although it was su- successful in terms of um, a percentage of museum budgets, probably accredited museums probably represent 30 to 35 percent of museum budgets in the United States, but only about 5 percent of museums were accredited. Um, and so we believe that, you know, we could talk to the field about how important excellence is and that commitment to excellence is when we're saying that we're educational institutions. And and that if we're going to say that, then there have to be standards behind that. And for our part, we said we want to make this accessible, uh, to, uh, which, you know, I can't say that it, accreditation was accessible in the past. It was cumbersome. It was paper-based. And so we, you know, we really worked hard on that that goal of excellence uh, to help communicate standards, to refine the standards, and and to really create appropriate levels of recognition. And, and out of that came our current program, which which has been very very successful, which creates a continuum of excellence. So it's not like you're accredited or you're not. Once you sign that pledge of excellence, which doesn't doesn't obligate you to anything except to do the best you can to meet the standards of the field, you're in the continuum of excellence. You're moving up. And we create points along the way that help you get to the highest level accreditation, such as the core documents where you have five-year core documents are reviewed by AAM staff. And and once those are reviewed, they're accreditation ready. And we worked with uh, Association of State and Local History, so that their STEPS program is part of the continuum. And we worked with the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, so if you're accredited by AZA, you're 30, 35% of the way to AAM accreditation. Never done anything like that before. And, and, and now accreditation is paperless. So we really tried to create that that um, that goal of, of creating a, a standards program that helps unite the field, that helps us talk about uh, why why standards matter. And and it's interesting that uh, countries from all over the world have come to us because they want access to those standards and best practices, which are viewed as the best in the world. Well, that's that's uh, very heartening to know. So, how um, what is the percentage increase of uh, museums who are now on this uh, path to excellence? I, well, I, we I don't know the exact numbers, but we've had you know we've had a um, a significant increase in, in in museums that have begun that you know begun the process um, and are are moving you know towards. Uh, accreditation for the first time uh, that have, that have, are want to get into the continuum of excellence and um, and 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 move forward, and, and that's that's really 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 good. Um, we've got um, 
we've seen a, a, a an increase in in interest in accreditation and in participating uh, in in these programs, which is which is great. And uh, you know, we've only been been at it for about a little over that part of it for a little over a year. And the the paperless part it just rolls out now for for accreditation, and we think that that's going to make it much much easier uh, for museums when they have that uh, don't have to uh, go through all that paper. Yes, I, I I would agree with you uh, on on that. Having helped uh, several small museums uh, go through the accreditation process, and of course trees around the world. Thank you. Yeah, well, it, it was not. It was really was was not not very not very good. So we you know we really uh, and we we don't want to accredit museums in other countries. There's only one in outside the United States that's accredited, and that's the Botanical Garden of Adelaide, Australia. Uh, but. You know, our goal—we've worked with other countries to help them develop their own standards programs. Um, and uh, and as you know, at the annual meeting now, we have forty to sixty countries from around the world represented at that annual meeting every year. Yes, um, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that the uh, you know certainly I've been attending annual meetings of AAM for uh, many years, and uh, and that. It's been one of the major changes that I've seen is the emphasis on international uh, institutions, uh, uh, particularly from uh, Asia, um, Central America, South America, uh, and and the Middle East. I think that there there truly is a commitment in in those countries to uh, better their citizenry and uh, provide uh, service and education through museums and, and cultural organizations uh, that I'm that I'm finding very very interesting. Um, yeah, and we know we know that people love to meet their colleagues from around the world at the annual meeting. They love to be in sessions and, and to chat with them informally. Um, it really has added a great dimension, and we've gotten a lot of very positive feedback in the annual meeting reviews about the international uh, increasing international component at the annual meeting. Uh- and in fact, you've, uh, as I understand it, you have a, a section within AAM that focuses primarily on uh, international partnerships. Is, is, we, am I we, thinking about that correctly? You are right. We do. Um, Dean Phelis, who's uh, been with us for uh, many years and, and mostly running the annual meeting, um, and really gets credit for creating the great meeting, annual meeting that we have, is still oversees that broadly. But his real focus now is on our our international partnerships and programs, uh, which we're uh, which we are really uh, growing rapidly. And uh, we just finished; we're just in the process of finishing up translating ten of our core books into Arabic. And uh, we are translating books into, into Spanish again and uh, looking forward to creating a, uh, in the initial stages of looking at creating a, a conference of, of the Western Hemisphere, a museums conference of the hemisphere to bring together museums um, uh, you know, from, from the Americas uh, to, to in, in Latin America to, to come together and share ideas and develop collaborative opportunities that will, that will really strengthen the connection between museums and the Americas. That's interesting. When it, when is that planned? We're hoping we're hoping to have that in September of 2015. Wow, that uh, that certainly doesn't give you a lot of time. No, well, Not- we, we we've done the dean's done a lot of work on that, and uh, and so uh, we we uh, we're 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 pretty sure we're going to be able to pull it off then. Um, and uh, we we know there's there's a lot of interest and. In, in doing that, and I think it will be, um, it may be a small meeting this time, and it's something we would not do every year, but every few years, and we hope that out of that will come 
you know, some collaborations and connections that, that, that will uh, really help strengthen ties among museums in the Americas. Because we, we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. Can you tell, uh, can you announce where it's going to be? Well, it, it's, it's slated for Buenos Aires. Okay, mark your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a date yet, but we're, we, we, we'll, it will, we should be announcing that shortly. Oh, that sounds very exciting. I'm going to start saving my, uh, my lunch money uh, to, to participate in that. I know I've done uh, some work on behalf of AAM in Mexico City and enjoyed it so thoroughly. Oh, thank you. Thank you I was that. just so impressed with uh, what was going on at a, through AAM and certainly uh, meeting, meeting my colleagues in, in Mexico City was a, was, a, was a very gratifying and humbling experience. Um, I, you know, it's interesting, and I just want to stay on this international tangent just a bit longer mm-hmm. because I think it's it uh, and I've done uh, quite a bit of international work now I'm, I'm currently doing work in Saudi uh, and it it really humbles you to realize that uh, that museums are the concept is exportable but the but the particulars are not and every culture is a little different yep it's true it's very true, and, and and you know that's that's one of the great things as you about you know about our uh, museums connect program with the State Department, um, it, which is we encourage museum museums to apply for that um, because it it really it brings together partners that would would never come come together otherwise, and and those partnerships that grow out of the museums connect program are, are really allow people to, to 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 understand how museums and other cultures. Uh, work and 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 again to have the opportunity to learn from each other which is so important so is the museums connect program sort of like a sister cities program for museums um it it is um it, it it's actually a uh, a, a program where um museums in in a museum in the united a museum and a community um, in the United States, come together with a museum and a, or museums and a community abroad. It, it can't just be uh, institution to institution. It's got to be. Um, you know, it, it, it really has to be um, a, an actual community. Uh, so, uh, and, and some of these programs are absolutely um, inspirational. In, in, in the way they the work, uh, Young Women Speaking the Economy was one from 2010, which involved the Women, Women's Museum in Denmark, the Ayala Museum in the Philippines, the Sudanese Women's Museum, and the International Museum of Women in San Francisco. And young women from those four countries use social media and online applications to discuss their perspectives on everything from careers and work-life balance to weathering financial hardship and combating gender discrimination. I mean, and that's the kind of program that goes, that, that goes on. Um, the Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago did one with the National Museum of Niger, where they were working, middle school students were conducting original conservation research projects in their communities, uh, understanding animal behavior and ecological biodiversity. So the, the programs are, are really amazing. And, 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 you know, I encourage your listeners to go to our website uh, and, and learn about it because we're, we, we'd love to have applicants for that program. And the State Department also happens to view the program as an absolute priority. So, uh, and, and the partnerships that come out of that are, are moving and, and they really change lives. That's really, that's very interesting. Thanks for bringing that one up, Ford. Um, 
Let's go back. Uh, we were talking about the strategic plan. I yeah. uh, Again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but I think it is very interesting uh, for us to you know, sort of look back over the last five years and, and certainly your... Um, your key goals uh, in, for the strategic plan that you outlined for us were were very broad. But I was just wondering, um, were there any assumptions that that uh, you had in two thousand and nine that that you've you've had to rethink or or have surprised you uh, over these last couple of years? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know um, about surprised. I mean, you know, one of the things that we looked at in sustainability was our own sustainability as an organization. You know, we were, when I came to AAM, we had 66 staff. We have 48 staff now. So we're a, we're a much smaller organization. But um, we, we really had to think long and hard about um, what it was that, that we needed uh, to do in order to build membership and and ensure our own sustainability and 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 we thought you know we had some uh, ideas about what the field might want but we actually did surveys we we hired a firm and they came in and they did um individual surveys of the membership individual members and then they did surveys of institutional members and you know it was, it was it, that was very an eye opener for us and uh in terms of 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 what the field wanted to to see us do and a lot of the things that we were doing uh, that we thought were good like providing affinity programs that your museums could get discounts they had no interest in that at all and and so we really uh went back and looked at how how, how can we um how can we better better serve the field uh, and uh, and and that's what really drove um, drove our our focus on the changes we made in in, in 2012 or that grew out of the strategic plan um, which was what we were offering was too expensive our top dues was 50, for institutions was fifteen thousand dollars and nobody wanted to pay that and so we realized that price that price was a well, that was for again for the biggest museums it was scaled but but it was based on budget size and so you're stuck your budget is your budget and we said well we got to change that so it's based on your staff size and then you can tell us if you've got animal care people and they aren't museum professionals you don't need to count them and we reduced the top dues from fifteen thousand to five thousand so we took a big chance. <laughs> We took a big chance in reducing the top level of dues from 15000 to 5000 But we also created three tiers of membership. So the lowest levels pay what you can, and we took a chance there, too, because everybody could say, I'll be pay what I can. Now, you won't get the benefits at that level, but, but we, we wanted to stress accessibility and commitment to serving the field. And, and you know, that's worked. We added 1,000 new institutional members in 2013. My goodness. So what is the total membership right now? The total membership is about exactly 3,500. Wow. And that's individuals and institutions. No, that's just institutions. That's just institutions. Yeah, it, 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 combining, um, combining um, we, within, in terms of individual members, we have seven, little, about 17,500 individual members. Well, that's still that is still pretty uh, that is still pretty impressive, and it has certainly uh, uh, changed the tenor of the uh, the organization. I can I can see that as as well. Um, well, 
I, Ford, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, the annual meeting, and I'm hoping that you can share a few tidbits, tantalizing tidbits about uh, AAM. So if you, if you haven't made your uh, arrangements to come, uh, maybe, maybe uh, people can. But before we do that, I'm going to take a very short break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life, and I hope you stay tuned to the end of the show. We'll be back in a moment. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert.com at verizon.net now back to museum life and welcome back to museum life i'm carol bossert and we're here with ford bell today who is the president of the american alliance of museums as i'm sure most of you know uh, aam's annual conference is just getting started today uh on the uh, 16th and the 17th and it runs through next wednesday the 23rd but we're taping the show a little early today because ford and i have to get on a plane on friday and and get to seattle and, and 
and start meeting with all of our wonderful friends and colleagues. Ford, I'm, I'm hoping it, that you can tell us a few little highlights of AAM, particularly things that are, are new that we can look forward to at this year's annual conference. Well, I, I, we've got, you know, we've, we've really created the, you know, sort of the AAM um, desk down there in, in, the, in, the, in the exposition hall, which, expo hall, which really um, gives people a chance to come in and, and, and find out what's going on um, in, the, in AAM and to hear a little bit from, from Elizabeth Merritt and her great work at the Center for the Future of Museums. Uh, Beth's going to have some surprises down in the expo hall, um, which I think will be fun. And uh, uh, so we're and we're you may see uh, as well uh, some copies of our uh, her new white paper, which is um, uh, about, about the role of museums in in education. We're very very excited about that. Um, uh, it's called the, 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 the museums and the learning ecosystem, uh, which is a result of a convening we had here in Washington in September, and the, that white paper has just been released and. I think there'll be a lot of conversation about that around the future of education and how museums can help strengthen K-12 through education in our country. We have a great keynote speaker, Eric Larson, one of my favorite authors, and I think that's going to be a, a, a fabulous a fabulous session with, with, with him. He's uh, been very, very uh, written some great books that relate, I think, a lot to what we do in the museum field. And we have a, a, a very distinguished speaker, Dennis Hayes, who was one of the founders, along with Gaylord Nelson, of Earth Day. And he's going to be re- talking about museums that function like organisms, bringing real life to your building. And I, this focus on sustainability in museums is going to be an increasing, uh, increasing part of the annual meeting as well, because we know that museums want to... Um, Really want to be examples of of of, of teaching sustainability. Want to, want to take the lead in teaching sustainability and sustainable practices. So, it, we, and Seattle's a great place to do that. We also have some, as you know, Seattle has some wonderful museums, and they really, really worked hard to to uh, to put on a show for us. The opening party is going to be at the at Paul Allen's EMP Museum. Experience Music Project Museum, and that will be memorable. And uh, the Seattle Museum of Art uh, has also is also having some great programs, and the museums in Tacoma. And so it's really a very diverse group of great museums that are welcoming us to Seattle, and I, I know it's going to be memorable. And we've had a oh. very good turnout, so it'll be good. Oh, good. What it, what is the um, the the registration right now? We'll be at the end of the day. We'll I think we'll be very close to five thousand. Maybe not. Oh quite my 5, goodness! We'll be close. We'll be close. My so goodness! We're, we're, and that, yeah. Yep. And you know we're in the Pacific Northwest. We don't sometimes don't have quite as 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 big a um, you know quite quite as big a turnout. But but it's people want to be in Seattle. So uh, it's uh, I, I think that that's really why we're having such a good turnout. It's a great community, great museum community. Yes, and that doesn't even count the uh, on uh, on site registration, which is still open. So, if yep. you're interested in coming, you can you, you know, there. There's no reason why you, if you can get to Seattle, you can go to uh, AAM. I know it's always very helpful. It's always very interesting to me. Many of the uh, volunteers who help make the uh, 
the the whole program work uh people that help you find your way people who provide uh uh, surveys for some of the, the, the programs and the offerings. These are all local people. Sometimes they're students. And I've had some of the best conversations uh, with these, uh, these local uh, museum professionals. No, it's great. It's, it's, it's one of the great parts of the annual meeting is, um, you know, meeting uh, the people that work in the museums in that community, uh, hearing, especially hearing from the young people. And uh, we, we're really uh, thrilled to have so many of them volunteer. And, of course, you know, as they volunteer, they get, uh, they get to attend for free, so, too. So it's, it's, it's a good deal. Well, and one of the other things that uh, that you started last year that I I didn't truly appreciate, I'll, I'll be honest, but but I'm appreciating it this year is the AAM app. Well, the AAM app is wildly popular, and we've had extremely positive feedback. Um, about the app. In fact, so far this year, we've had over 1,600 downloads of the app. Um, and um, and in terms of uh, for events, we've had over 30. We've had about 3,400, uh, you know, clicks uh, on the on annual meeting events, and uh, over almost two, uh, almost 1,900 uh, uh, people. Or there were almost 1,900 events scheduled by people through the through the app. So it's and we on our reviews, the app is one of the most popular things that we've done in recent years. So. Uh, yes, I, I, I can believe it. I think the other thing that, that I'm finding so exciting is I'm monitoring uh, uh, both uh, conversations on, on, uh, through the app and also just on Twitter for uh, hashtag AAM2014 is that there really is quite a buzz with the, with the program and it is uh, beginning uh, to show how social media can be a very uh, a, a not only proactive, but sort of uh, galvanize a whole new generation of, of museum professionals. Yep, it is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. And the other thing we've done, which is will be good news for people who are dedicated annual meeting attendees, is um, there, we've eliminated uh, the dreaded check-in line. Um, you'll be able to check in completely um, with a, at a kiosk. You won't have to stand in line. It'll take. It'll be very quick. We piloted it last year in Baltimore, and it worked. And it worked very, very, very well. We got good feedback on it. So people will now go to a kiosk with a machine, and they will get everything they need right there, and be able to get on their way without standing in line and people pulling things for them. So, um, of course, if there's a problem, there'll always be people there. But we wanted to streamline that because so that people weren't standing in line for long periods of time. And our ticket exchange this year is completely online. That was those were the longest lines for ticket exchanges, so people can now go online and do their ticket exchange and switch with somebody for a different event. So we're we're trying to make it have people spend less time standing in line and more time going to sessions and talking with their colleagues. Well, yes, and and you know I I greet that information with a with a little bit of nostalgia, because <laughs> some of my best conversations were standing in line at AAM waiting to exchange tickets. Uh, I guess we'll just be we'll only uh, meet people when we stand in line for the Starbucks. Well, I, I, that's a good point. I, one of the things I enjoyed most was I had a captive audience, and so I could uh, stand there down at, at the registration and talk to people where they were in line. And and that was great because I got to meet lots of people from all over the world and hear about their institutions. And and now I've I've lost that that opportunity, but I, I understand that uh, people probably would rather spend 
their time doing something other than standing in line. So I think it, I think it'll be good. I think it'll I think it'll work out well. Yeah, I think it'll be great. And the, the other point, too, to mention, uh, with the app and with all of these other uh, uh, digital uh, te- techniques that, that you are instituting, people can follow the annual meeting even if they're unable to attend this year. And I think that that's very exciting. Uh, people will be tweeting at meetings. Uh, uh, materials yep. are available online. Uh, you can have uh, these, these uh, virtual conversations. It really is something that that is beginning, that is truly bringing the entire field together. So, con- congratulations uh, for some of these things. Well, that's great. You know, we want to be the best partner we can be to museum professionals in, in their work, uh, and so anything we can do to you know to. To, to make their life easier, to provide them with information they need to do their jobs better. That's what we want to do. And, you know, we, we I, I like to joke about our website. I always say, it, you know, it, we, we, got, we got rid of our 1950s website. Um, I know there were no websites in 1950, but if there had been, they would have looked like our website. Um, and now we have a new one. And we, we, really, we really invested a lot of money in our whole IT infrastructure here at, at AAM. Um, and the website was a big part of that. And like all websites, it's a work in progress. It's not perfect today, but it's about 3,000 times better than it was in the past. Um, and uh, so we, we want that to be a resource for people. And so you can go online right now and you can get for free Beth Merritt's latest trends watch from the Center for the Future of Museums. And you can go online for free, see the white paper, Building the Future of Education, which I think is going to be a very, that came out of our conference, which I think is going to be a very, very important document for our field. And those are available to people. So um, we, we want we want people to see us as 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 an important resource for them in their work. That's great, Ford. Um, you know, one of the questions as you were talking before, when we were talking, uh, you know, about some of the changes that you've had, the the organization has, has gone through, and one has been, uh, you know, re- reducing staff and uh, shifting staff priorities. I, I mean, in all honesty, that couldn't have been easy. Um, how? How do you describe your leadership style? How do you you know keep this ship uh, aright? Well, you, you know, our goal is has been to create as flat an organizational structure as possible. Um, my my goal here is 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 really to help great people accomplish their goals. Um, I, I I I I don't believe in centralized. Um, Authority. Uh, I, I view my role as as that of a facilitator. We I think we've got a great team, and so my challenge is how can I help those people really succeed in in doing what they want to do for AAM and for the museum field. And um, and and, I, and that's you know I, I, people sometimes are surprised when they they tell me something about AAM and I say well I I didn't know we were doing that and they they will say how do you know, how could you not know AAM was doing that. I don't have to know everything that AAM's doing. I don't have to know absolutely every little thing. If I know that, then I must be I must be getting down in the weeds too much. Um, you know what I what I want to do is see that these people that we've we've brought on board recently, uh, the past few years, who I know are the best that they can possibly be. I want them to really succeed, and and, and if they do, if they succeed, the field will be better off, and so will AAM. That's uh, that's very very well put, and and uh, and and quite lovely. I. 
I know we've had, uh, I had John Durrell on the show a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about leadership styles and leadership skills. And one of the things he was, he was sharing was this idea that if one wants to be at a very high level in a, in, in a, in a museum or, or an organization, they will find the skills and the, and the personal capacities to make it work. And it sounds as if you've, you've, you've done that. Well, I, I hope so. It's, it's certainly been for me. A, a, I never dreamed I would have this job, and so it, it's a fabulous job in a, in, a, in a fabulous cause with an organization that has, you know, a wonderful, wonderful history. Uh, and uh, I'm excited about our moving into the next strategic planning process, which will start later this year. You know, just beginning to think about that next plan, which I think will be very, very exciting, um, because we certainly have come a long way uh, uh, since we launched our, the, the strategic plan in 2009. So what do you think is the, um, if you had to characterize, uh, what's the biggest issue facing our, our institutions today? Well, uh, people may, be, may not agree with me on this, but I think the biggest single issue that faces us today is the need for us to speak as a field, to speak and to talk about the value that we bring. Um, you know, as I said, it, it, we're, we're just, we're so fractured. And when we speak only as children's museums or only as zoos and aquariums or only as art museums, people don't get it. They simply don't get it. And, you know, in 2009, zoos and aquariums were, were, were eliminated from the stimulus package and then lumped with golf courses and swimming pools. Um, and that's what they think of us, golf courses and swimming pools. Uh, and that could happen to any discipline. In any major federal funding bill, somebody could say, you know, art museums don't belong in here. Throw them out. That's what happened to zoos and aquariums. And that was, I know that was a wake-up moment for the zoo and aquarium field, but it better be a wake-up call for all of us. Um, we need to be relentlessly unified. And that I'm not, and I, I believe that all our fellow museum service organizations are essential, and we, are, we have pledged to be the most collaborative organization that we can be. But when it comes to talking about the value of our institutions, we need to do that together so that, so that when, you know, when, when Congress is reauthorizing the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, why aren't museums at the table? We need to be at the table. We need to be thinking about, you know, educational. We need to be part of the conversation about educational policy and legislation in this country because we are going to be increasingly important as, as learning decentralizes and moves away from schools and people are getting all this information from so many different other places. We need to be part of that conversation, and we won't be unless we talk as a field about what we do and why we matter. That's I really uh, hear your passion coming through, Ford, uh, uh, as as you describe sort of the vision for for uh, museums of the future. And certainly, I, I agree with with you that that uh, as a field, we tend to be reactive and responsive. And while those are very uh, positive, nurturing traits for individual institutions, uh, that sometimes I think limits us uh, as as a field. Uh, and as we move forward with twenty first century skills uh, and helping the nation and the world move forward into the uh, uh, grasping the next uh, bit of this historic uh, world that we're living in, uh, it, we we need uh, we need our institutions. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to share with us your views, your philosophy, some of the things that we can look forward 
2 at AAM. And I encourage everyone, uh, download the app, uh, uh, participate <laughs> in, the, in the conversation, and, and certainly uh, uh, see, see what AAM is doing online and in your neighborhood. I, uh, Ford, I want to thank you uh, so much for participating today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure, pleasure to be here today. Yes, and, and so we will be back next week with, uh, I'm interviewing a ser- uh, group of newbies who have never been to AAM before and getting their impressions about, uh, about the annual meeting. So listen in, stay tuned, and uh, thank you for listening this week. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 